On air in five, four, oh, no. two, one. We're back. All right, everybody, we're live. This is the Writing and Dying podcast. Welcome back. It's been a six-month hiatus. We're just starting to show. <laughs> it's writing in other ways of dying, you idiot. I know, I know. You can't I was, ab- yes. was abbreviated. You can't get the title right. Mm, I was abbreviated. We're just so excited. <laughs> Which we should tell our listeners that they should email us a fucking question or a comment or a confession to writingdying at protonmail.com because we want to hear, you know, what they think about stuff. Confessions. You don't have to be the ultimate voice. Yeah, exactly. I want literary confessions blowing up our mailbox. I want to be surprised and sad and shook. (laughs) 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 all right bronte so what have you been up to since we last recorded on may (laughs) what Uh, is your life what is my life that's the question Mm. uh since our last episode in may i have undergone a big move so over the summer, I I worked at a local CSA and I did some some farmhand work uh, at another farm. Right, right. And I mostly spent the summer just trying to do cool stuff, have fun, and be outside. I had my own little uh, garden that yeah. I planted that, like most of the stuff, got eaten by raccoons. But I, I knew that was going to happen, so it was cool. I got some potatoes out of it, <laughs> some peppers, some beets. It's fucking uh, raccoons. A, f- a whole lot of squash. Nothing ate my squash except me and my family, and my family Aww. was pretty upset with me by the end of it because they were sick of squash. <laughs> Too much? Uh, well, for them, but they're they're just squash peasants. You know, They don't mm. understand. They're squash non-believers. Exactly. They don't know it's the superior food. Right. One day I'll open their eyes to the truth. Open uh, their mouths. <laughs> yeah, open their mouths <laughs> to the truth. <laughs> and yeah, so I spent a lot of time with family and just tried to really enjoy a summer of of limited responsibilities and uh, and beautiful, beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then in October. I moved out to Reno, Nevada. Shout out to Reno. Shout out to Reno. 2,000 miles away from where I was before. It was only like a 29-hour drive. It's not so bad. Holy Um, shit. We did it in the Mustang, which we loaded absolutely to the teeth with our stuff. Oh, my Uh, God. And still (laughs) brought barely anything at all. It's like we have nothing here. Uh, <laughs> hey, you have a giant fun. red couch, man. Hey, yeah, but that they left that for us, the previous tenants. Be thankful. <laughs> yes, I am very thankful for the previous tenants' big red couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so since moving out here, I have not been working super hard on the writing, but I'm getting there. I recently started working out here good job i drive a forklift and i have health insurance and if oh, i wow. accidentally die and am dismembered uh there's a seventy thousand dollar payout so that's pretty sweet um but to, to who to, who is it for <laughs> who does that uh, go to my beneficiary is renee so she'll be loaded uh, she'll be rich <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, but we are living right next door to a couple of our writer friends, Phoebe and Andrew. Phoebe Amazing. will have an episode with us soon. Mm-hmm. Super surprise theme episode. TBD. Which I'm really <laughs> excited for. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I have, I have been doing the 40-hour, five-day 
work week schedule rather than the academic schedule that I have done most of my life. So kind of adjust that. And I'm about to figure out what it's like for, uh, you know, everyone else out there who's working a full-time job and trying to finish their novels and get them published. That's a great thing that you don't take your work home with you. So it is a great thing. I, Mm -hmm. I only, I have only taken my work home with me a little bit in the sense that my first week I dreamed about being so far behind at work that I was like drowning in cardboard boxes. And then last (laughs) week I dreamed that we had to drive forklifts on like the mezzanine and I was very scared. But other than that, I don't take my work home with me. Just the anxieties of work, of course. And that was just one, one, one time each week and then the anxiety kind of dissipated. So I'm hoping there's no more work nightmares in the near future. Oh, God, let there not be any nightmares, please. So what has your uh, trajectory looked like since May, Anna? Well, 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 bitch, it's been crazy. Um, (laughs) Well, I went to the U.S. for the summer. I left Ecuador for two and a half months. Left my apartment, left my cacti, which actually suffered, I think without me it's much skinnier i showed it to you the other day (laughs) so skinny he's a skinny bitch and i'm like how (laughs) um so i attended a what i realized was very prestigious (laughs) writing conference in vermont maybe our listeners know what i'm talking about um, the Breadloaf Environmental Writers Conference of 2019, the summer. I was part of the fiction group with Claire v- a- v- Watkins, and it was holy shit, amazing. I was completely unprepared because the great idea would have been to have a manuscript ready to go, not only for a workshop, but to show Claire and to be like, help. <laughs> um, and the experience was very beautiful because Vermont is just like, um, it's just trees on trees on trees on trees and lakes and rivers. Um, these old cabins that, you know, smell of like success and sex. <laughs> um, and Tell me more every about sex cabins at Breadloaf. Right? Well, I I what I heard every dinner like at every lunch was that this could be like especially for the two-week program, it turns very sexual and people just have orgies and stuff. And I was like, I'm going to lock my room. <laughs> what? <laughs> I am here to write. <laughs> I'm not here to fuck. <laughs> Apparently everyone else was, though. Apparently. Good thing to know if any of our listeners are considering applying or are now considering applying. Right. They're like, excuse me. <laughs> Or do you wear? <laughs> Where do I sign up? Well, I do have to say that I was influenced by two of our MFA people in Iowa State program. Um, mm-hmm. Taylor Borby, who was from my year, from the 2017 class. Woo-woo! Um, and he's a nonfiction writer, and he's really interested in fracking. And he attended the conference. So I overheard that it was awesome from his part. And then Maddie Lane Glasgow, shout out, because he's from your year. What year did you graduate, Ponte? 2018. Uh, yeah, okay, 2018. Right, right, math. Woo <laughs> 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 woo! That cohort was awesome. Um, he also attended, and he went to the, so Taylor went to the nonfiction group. Maddie went to the poetry group, and I went to the fiction group. And I think um, it was just, something else it was just it was just crazy first of all the food was great thank you so much to the cooks over there they were awesome it was all like vegan shit and i was like oh my god amazing (laughs) yes so many new ways of eating yeah save the world (laughs) (laughs) and i took a i took such a long flight to get there save the world <laughs> I'm gonna eat vegan to offset the 90 million pounds of airplane fuel. That's right. <laughs> um, and so every day we had a workshop. We were assigned before we got there 
a total of like nine or ten stories that we had to read prior to workshop. Um, and I had printed them all out and read them like before I got there. Um, and I was just amazed by the material. It was pretty insane that I was like, oh shit, I sent my <laughs> one of my ghost boy stories, very sci-fi, Quito in the future, Day of the Dead kind of story. And here I'm reading like this majestic shit <laughs> that other people have sent. And I was like, fuck. <laughs> I'm gonna look so bad, um, cause they were all very polished work, and I'm like, isn't this supposed to be for a workshop? <laughs> uh, the people I met there are incredible. We still stay in touch over email. Um, I learned a lot from them about writing and about life, and I learned so much about Claire and about writing and about how to face the fear of writing my novel, which is what I think started this whole podcast, like me not wanting to write, but me really wanting to write and me being scared of writing my novel. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. Um, there was a barn, so it was very reminiscent to, what was that fucking thing that Kenny took us to? Prairie Fest. Uh-huh. In very Salinas, Salinas, Kansas. Verga, Salinas, Kansas. Oh my gosh, it was so far, bro. <laughs> yeah, that was um, a track. So it was very hit very hippie, but still very important. <laughs> what else? What else? What else? I met a fellow Ecuadorian there who had not been in Ecuador for most of her life, and yet she wrote about Ecuador, and I was like, mm, mixed feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't want to say bad, more, bad, like a lot of bad stuff, but there was some uh, white people writing people of color stories and I was like mm, I'm not gonna have it <laughs> um, yeah, going for this yeah well I'm scared they're gonna listen to it be like I know why are you shit talking us and I was like well I did tell you to your face <laughs> <laughs> I was like you can't write a story if you don't know that type of pain sorry <laughs> you're not here that's not your I story to tell bitch yeah why are you trying to appropriate a South African voice also Vermont is very white very, very white. And what impressed me the most is that they have, like, in each cabin, they have a little, like, it's not a thermometer, cause I, but I don't know what it is, but it's something that measures the quality of air. Okay. And I was like, that's why I can breathe so well here, because Quito's all smog. Right, and you're up in those Vermont woods. Oh, that, my gosh. Yeah. straight from the trees. Yes. Um, and then we, as a fiction group, we got really close and we took a little hiking trip together. I did bring my hiking boots, but I had left them in my cabin. So when we decided to go hike, I was like, mm, I'm lazy. So I took my Converse and boy, my Converse were fucked up afterwards. Uh, <laughs> uh, they suffered, hiking they suffered and a lot. It's a, it's a great, a mm. great thing to do. Yeah. Uh, we went to Robert Frost's cabin and we literally got lost, and I was like, I'm not going to have it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> don't say it. Don't, don't say it. Don't do it. Nobody say the thing. Um, it turns out Robert Frost's cabin is pretty fucking chill. I would live there most of my life, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for some reason, it's unsurprising. <laughs> wow. I would also write some crazy poetry. Like, imagine those woods at night. Oh, my God. It would be so scary. It felt very witchy, too. I was like, mm. <laughs> Yeah, it felt very haunted place. Very haunted. I can't even imagine, like, historical, like, indigenous importance of that place. Because we were never taught. We were just taught that this was Robert Frost's cabin. <laughs> but it did, feel, it did feel like a haunted place, for sure. The most important thing that I learned from that conference was never forget your name tag. But also that I can actually write a book. So what I did, Bronte, surprise, surprise, is come back home. We'll come back to see my boyfriend in Detroit, but then come back home and just go to the coffee shop and just like write a little bit and then write a lot and then write more. And then in about two months, I had 30,000 words. Um, I feel like we should clap for you. That snowballed very quickly from writing a little bit to Having almost an entire novel. Come on, crew. Where's the, where's the applause? 
<laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, fans, for supporting my journey. That was a uh, actually a live recording straight from the Breadloaf Sex Cabins. <laughs> Gross! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it felt like the dorms again, because we had to like share bathrooms, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Don't Literally. look at me! Don't look at me! <laughs> the bad Tell. thing... What? Yeah. Okay, the bad thing? No, continue. Yeah, I, I sensed that you knew that I was going somewhere with this, because the bad thing is that um, August was right around the corner, and my writing days of just eating, writing, going to sleep were over. The semester had begun. The, oh, probably no. the probably the hardest semester I've had in my teaching career of, wait for it, five years. Oh, Lord, no. I've been doing this for five years. That's a long time. You have a lot of teaching under your belt. Well, 2015, four and a half. <laughs> this is your fifth year. This is your fifth. Yes. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's I Hello. thought I was going to be like... There's a lot of students that have passed through your courses. Passed through me too, man. <laughs> yeah. And I've given it... I've given this career like... How much gain uh, weight I've gained? Like, what, 15 pounds? Like, horrible. And then, like, my first wrinkles have come out. And Nice. Congrats. And then, like, yeah, I have gray hair now. And it's like, shit, I'm 28. What's going on? Um... And I realized that it takes a lot. It takes it takes from you. It takes from who mm -hmm. you are, bit by bit. Mm -hmm. And you try to put it all together back in the summer, but then it fucking falls again. I'm so I'm so so depressed about. It. I'm very thankful for my job. Thank you. <laughs> there is a lot of tension at summer, though, between mm -hmm. wanting to just fuck off and entirely decompress, and also wanting to do all of the things that you've spent all year putting off and spent all year pining after thinking I can finally do this in summer. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? You always look forward to summer. You're like, Oh, during the summer, I'll do this. Oh, during the summer, I'll do that. And, and I've heard that that's not good for you to always have like that mentality. Oh, when I lose weight, I'll finally be happy. Or, Oh, when I, <laughs> Do this, I'll finally, like, oh, when I write a fucking book, I'll finally feel self-accomplished. <laughs> right, to, to leave your emotional state up to anticipation. Up to, yeah, anticipation and some sort of productivity. Maybe you should mm -hmm. just be happy with who you are now, whether or not you do stuff. Um, and academia fucking buries you with work, unnecessary bureaucratic work. So the novel writing has stopped. I did write when I texted you that other day. I did write a little bit. Yeah, that was exciting. And that was like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> uh, so have you have you gotten any writing time done? Uh, elsewise is that a word? Uh, elsewise. Any other, any other times in November? Because uh, you have a uh, December first deadline. <laughs> Let me remind you. <laughs> Bronte, I'm going to send you what I have on December 1st. And it's going to be like half a novel. That's beautiful. That's okay? exciting. And that is going to be an incentive for me to be like, shit, he needs to know what happens. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I haven't written at all. November's been a... What the fuck happened with November? I just I realized it was just like November 1st. I have the same question. Where the right? fuck did November go? What happened to November? So... You will not have a full manuscript. You will have half-assed 33, 34, 35,000 words um, that you can be like, hmm, good. <laughs> Continue. <want> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So that's that, been my life. That makes me very happy. Uh, I'm really excited for these 30-some thousand words. Thank you. I'm very excited too. This could not have happened without my homie Bronte and uh, <laughs> my supporters out there. The guy in the coffee shop who's always like, "Ooh, otro cafecito." And I'm like, "Yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> you know it. 
Oh, uh, yeah. And for some reason, the music of Post Malone, I don't want to thank him, but I was like, um, hmm. I was like, fuck, and I was writing. <laughs> I'm a little bit less excited for this book now, but you know, I'm oh, going to try and forget what you just said. It's real, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, his, his crazy fucking music. I was like, oh my God, I can just zone in. So it allowed um, me to, you know, do hey, that. You have, to, you have to find your little magical items that that let you zone in like that if it's post malone i guess it's post malone and then i would drive home being like i'm so rich <laughs> like i'm not rich <laughs> but i was in my soul rich because i had written 2000 or 1000 words so mm-hmm. i i finally understand post malone see it was all about work <laughs> yeah, now and just bitches <laughs> Each one of those words is the dollar, and that's how much you're making every day. Oh, I'm making it rain. Well, I yes. <laughs> now I'm poor. Yeah, but at that rate, you can make it rain for like a month straight, and then it, it can be a desert the rest of the year, and it's fine. That's true. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you would tell me a little bit about what that feeling was like coming back from bread loaf and coming back from the States, getting back to Quito and all of a sudden you were nose to the grindstone, but in a, in a very inspired way. I remember you telling me that you were looking forward to your writing every day and that it was bringing you a lot of joy. So what was, what was that month of, of writing bliss like? Um, what I felt in Bread Loaf was that I had all this, uh, very metaphysical talk, but like very, a lot of energy wound up in me that I had to like let out. Um, that I had all these ideas and I had all this like need to write them out because people were not just not expecting me to do it. People were like, you know, uh, supporting me to do this, having faith in me to do this. Um, and I was like, what if I just like, Try a little bit. And I did. And then I was like, ooh, what if I finish this scene? And I was like, oh, um, what if I introduce this new character here? And ooh, what if I get in a fight there? And it was like every day I would wake up and be like, yes, I can finish this or I can do that. Oh, my God, I'm so happy because I got to describe this. And it was something I looked forward to when I got out of bed as opposed to being like, what if I sleep like eight more hours and then just like chill? (laughs) (laughs) so it was something that yeah legit made me happy which is insane because it's work right it's work Mm -hmm. it's putting pressure on myself and this agent that I met in Vermont who was like can I read your book in December and I was like yeah it's not gonna happen anytime soon so I'm gonna be like in March be like yo what's up (laughs) remember me (laughs) hey it's March which is basically writer's December uh, what's That's going right. on? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, so, and I was so scared. Every every calendar day that I saw uh, August approaching, I was like, I'm going to write even more today. Yes, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And I have an Excel sheet where I have my whole novel plotted, but I also have a word count and a graph. Hmm. And that fucking line skyrocketed up. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to make the line go up so up today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm going to reach 20 today. Fuck, I'm going to reach 25 by Friday. It was such a great – I have never felt like that euphoria before. It was so amazing. I was like, this is better than, like, smoking a little J or something. I was like, this is great because I made it. I made myself happy. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> and then, dude, I did the biggest betrayal of them all. I stopped writing for me. And I started writing emails and I started going to meetings that are have no point and grading assignments that I'm like, bitch, we covered this in class. Come on. That's where it is. So... As quickly as it came and went away. I can't believe I did that. Like, I can't. I, so there was, was one trip with my friends where we went to La Amazonia here in Ecuador. And we went, we climbed up this waterfall. 
And then the Tori I was like, listen, there's no way back. You saw how hard it was to go back. If we go down, like you can like slip and like crack your head. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so the only way jumping the waterfall. And I was like, this fucking huge ass thing. <laughs> and I had like <laughs> the sweaty the palms. <laughs> the sweaty palms. And like, I was like freaking out. And I was like, God, like you tricked me into this. Like, what the fuck, bitch? What am I going to do with my glasses? <laughs> <laughs> That's always the biggest question. Claro. Like, what am I gonna do? Is there a is there is there like an alligator down there? Am I gonna hurt a fish? <laughs> is there an anaconda waiting for me? What's going on? Because it's the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then all my friends one by one started jumping. And then when they get to the bottom, they would be like, "Yeah, high five, awesome!" And I'd be like, "Fuck you guys! Fuck you guys! Fuck you guys! I hate you! I hate all of the you!" Tour, the tour guide, this beautiful indigenous man, who was like, "I'll hold your glasses," and I was like, "Thank you, buddy." Um. And then he jumped with my glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he was a pro. He was a pro. But after I jumped and after that, you know, roller coaster feeling of my guts flying to my like breasts. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, holy shit, I did that. And I survived and it was awesome. And I was also high fiving like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and then the whole ride, the whole walk back through the jungle, I was soaking wet and and it was amazing because I was really refreshed. And we got home and then we saw this tarantula. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, I always think back like my writing month was like that waterfall. Oh my God, my metaphors are so awful. <laughs> It was that, that it was that waterfall that I just jumped and I believed in myself and I had fun. <laughs> you just and now it's back to the climb. I just like have to climb up again and then there's no way back. Just fucking do it. Mm. Hold hold my glasses, Bronte. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll hold your glasses and I'll jump right in front of you. Mm-hmm. Oh God. So that's my biggest concern and that's why I feel like it's a good time to pick up the podcast. Like, how do I go back? Hmm. How do I, how do I do this? Well, so that, that month of, of rabid, rabid generation of ideas and words and, and that like creative burst, uh, was pretty unprecedented for you, right? Yes. A hundred percent. And earlier you said, you know, how do you get back to that? How do you, how do you recreate that? How do you f- put yourself into a place where you can have that kind of uh, creative structure and creative output again? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how to, how to get you there. But I think it's really important just to recognize that you've done it, that you've been there, and you'll have to find the way back. But you did something amazing, something that you didn't really know for sure that you could do. And you watched that line go up and up and up, it gets steeper. And I mean, if you can do it once, um, I'm positive you can do it again. This book is inside you, and it's dying to get out. It's begging. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cry. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I... the podcast is for. I'm dying. This is the dying, dying part of the writing and other ways of dying. <laughs> Good God. I just, I don't know. I can't let this happen. I can't just write in the summers because I don't feel happy. Mm. Yeah, this just turned really dark. Well, I think that's another important thing to address is that the the kind of structure of the academic working world is you know such that the summers and winter break are basically your your times to be productive. Uh, And that works sometimes and doesn't work other times. Um, Oh, fuck. What was I going to (laughs) say? I 
Oh, uh, so that works sometimes and doesn't work other times. And it's kind of a toss-up if you are going to get, uh, you know, like administrative support. If you're going to have anybody in the academic structure on your side fighting for you to be able to do your work better during the semester. And that's just, that support isn't always there. And I know you've encountered that. But how much is like academia not being supportive of me and how much is me not being supportive of me? I do not know, but, but <laughs> I to you're my therapist. Help. <laughs> well, I know that for people like you and me, academia is in part really appealing and then also in part very, very draining because both of us are so dedicated to our students. Uh, but yeah, for people like you and me, uh, doing our own work during the semester can be very difficult because so much of our energies are focused on, on providing the best learning environment we can. I think it's like a mixture between, yeah, like uh, work giving me some room to breathe and also me finding that room to breathe as well. So mm. that schedule that I told you, like, oh, I wake up and check Reddit and then I check Twitter and then I shower and then I eat and then I go to work. <laughs> and that's like a six hour <laughs> range. Right. Um, yeah, I think that I can maybe use some mornings to do something because if not i don't i don't like this i don't like what's what i've become I'm a monster <laughs> yeah uh i i can relate to that though I, with my mm. job i'm i'm working the evening shift so 2 to 10 30 and my my schedule is like you know get home from work at 11 ish sometimes mm. later if, if we're doing overtime and then like eat, hang out, go to bed somewhere between midnight and one, one thirty, and then wake up at usually like nine and then read my phone and like walk around the house and look out the window and eat some food. <laughs> talk look to out the dad. window. That's my favorite one. <laughs> well, this is this is what I'm I'm getting at is that you know stuff like that is all some form of like preparation for the rest of my day or it's you know it's like small moments of just kind of being with myself you know looking mm -hmm. out the window just is uh, is a a way to to kind of think and to, to to observe and in some ways to be present and then in other parts of the routine it's about you know not being present it's about looking up things that I was thinking about at other times or seeing what other people are thinking or whatever. But that whole process is, you know, leading up to me spending my eight hours doing whatever. And it works. It like, it's enough at the moment to kind of get me through the day and one of the and like that's important if i i don't know there's there's an uncertainty there of if i change my routine am i still going to be able to like have an okay day in the same way and so Ooh. you know like deciding that you're going to change your routine is kind of threatening and it's going to especially take a lot of energy at first but i think that also doing the writing will eventually become a very satisfying part of that routine. Um, once, you know, we get past the, the hassle of waking up, opening up my computer, looking at a blank document and closing it and hating myself for a while. Mm. Um, What's worse, the hate that you get from you at the moment that you're like trying to write or the moment that you or the hate that you get when you decide that you're not going to write. 
Definitely. And that, that sort of the post. Right. Definitely the the disappointment in not writing is worse, but it's also easier to deal with on like a small time scale. And that's the thing is in, in your mornings before work, that's kind of like a small time scale uh, mm-hmm. situation. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I can I can deal with the not writing right now. I can deal with it today. And then the next day I wake up, I'm like, yeah, I can deal with it today. But I think in the long term, it becomes a lot harder to deal with. I'm so sad now. <laughs> um, so sad. Yeah, it's it's almost December. It's sad time. That's okay. It's true. So let me let me pose a question to you real quick. Since you've had a year of creative ups and creative downs, um, when do you feel like your writing is or has been at its most natural and its easiest? And then also, when is writing its least natural and most difficult? Mm, what a question. My life is dictated by my work life. So when I have vacation, I am in vacation. <laughs> yeah, duh. But I don't have weekends. Right. They're non-existent. I have grading. I have prepping. I have anxiety to think about work time. Um, and uh, during the day before class, after the day, after class, during the night, that's still not my time. Hmm. So when I do have vacation, but I'm not required to be on top of shit, um, that's when I have noticed in the past year that I have time to think and sit down and be like, maybe this won't be so bad as to what I've been fearing for the last three months. And then I do it. And then I write a story. And it's happened to me like three times, mm-hmm. including summer. Mm-hmm. So I think that if I were a free woman, will I have all vacation? Will I write all the time? And then probably not because what I'm doing is like a little carpe diem shit being like, you know what? Enjoy the time you have because you don't have any more. So you better write. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I want to stop. I want to write when I and make time mine. Thank you. End of end of answer. <laughs> Final answer. And our next contestant. <laughs> same question. Yeah, Bronte. Oh what? No, no, I'm not. I'm not part of this. Ah, you are a contestant. You are a crew mm-hmm. member. You are a co-host. <laughs> huh. Yeah, well, I I just wanted to say first. I think that that the awareness of propriety of time is very important of like who owns your time so much of it is not you that's that's not your time despite it being you know your life your body your breath um and making making active um active decisions to to i guess like re refocus and to to repossess this time not that time is something we should talk about as being possessed but you know to mm. to make this time yours to take it back from whoever else is trying to own your time, I think is a, a, a necessary step toward, toward our writing goals. Um, let's see, for me, writing is easiest. I think writing is largely easiest when I'm already in the middle of it. When I have <laughs> become invested in a story and when what I have written already is constantly poking me and telling me to to write the rest so that 
you know, the characters can get their resolution. And so that I can discover what that is, too. I think a lot of writing for me is also getting to tell the story for myself and getting to see it envisioned in a more kind of corporeal way than just the brain burst idea. That's a, that's a conundrum that, that I, f- I feel most natural in my writing you know, when I'm already doing it. There are exceptions to this. For example, the thesis, which I only wanted to quit the whole time. But perhaps really? that was because of outside forces. <laughs> that was your greatest creation and your bone story. Uh, yeah, my bone story. Let's not bring it up. <laughs> one day, Anna, one day I'll, I will get around to finishing it. And Don't make me cry. <laughs> I will archive it and then never send it anywhere. I fucking love that story. If only our readers knew what I was talking about. Our readers. Our listeners. (laughs) Dear listeners, if only you knew what our readers were. I mean, obviously, when you're just starting, writing is very hard. Or when, when there's something new and tentative and there's, you know, so much to figure out at the beginning of the story, that can be very hard. Um. Yeah. And we've talked about this, you know, this uh, necessity for balance before, but writing is also at its hardest for me when I have a clear idea of the things that I want the story to tell, but not of the story itself. So we've talked about, like, message versus story and, and that type of thing before. Um, writing is its hardest when those aren't unified and when you have to try and, and make a story, both just to the story and also the ideas behind the story. So it takes a lot of thinking before you even type. Yeah, but it can be like a, uh, a feedback loop of thinking where the thinking becomes Mm -hmm. at what needs to happen before the writing, but the more you think, the more there is to think about. And all of a sudden it's really easy to put something on the back burner. Yep. <laughs> um, you kind of like fuck yourself out of writing. Yeah. But that also explains why writing is so good. It's like, <laughs> hmm, someone thought about this first. <laughs> As someone agonized like, about this. Yeah, as opposed to, like, vomiting on the page and being, like, done. <laughs> yeah, but, that, I mean, there are there are plenty of merits to that approach, too. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other questions you want to talk about? I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> no. No. I was, I thought I was, too, and then I wasn't. Oh, my God. Just, like, you're writing. Oh! <gasps> <gasps> I have burned wow. thee. Wow, <laughs> I'm Anna. I'm sorry. <laughs> why, why do you see me like this? <laughs> You're not supposed when to look at... suffer, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the true, the true motto of every writer. <laughs> Listen, you need to do, like, the whole Faulkner thing, and, like, you have a... Wasn't his job like a, a toll booth? Uh, something like that. Uh huh. And he worked, and then he got home, and then he wrote. But he didn't work until eleven thirty p.m. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he did not. Though, uh, maybe maybe this is this is relevant to to our topic. Uh, it is an odd work schedule. But it mm-hmm. actually works out really nicely, I think, for like my natural rhythms. I'm kind of a night owl to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I know that, well, if I was working a day shift job, I'd be giving Kill up. Kill yourself? Life. <laughs> well, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> um, I know that I would be working, you know, from, say, like, at the the same version of my job, but day shift starts at five thirty. So you know, I'd be getting up at five at the latest every day and going to work, 
and getting home at 2.33. And mm. I know I would just be exhausted and I would spend the rest of the day kind of languishing in my exhaustion. Uh, and that would be a really good excuse not to write. Because basically, if I come, if I'm coming home from work, I'm going to be tired, whether it's uh, in the afternoon or whether it's close to midnight. Of course, of course, of course. So working in the afternoon gives me the opportunity to start the day out and decide then if I'm going to do that work, if I'm going to write. Um, and it's it's a lot harder to make excuses mm -hmm. about like, oh, I'm tired, I'm not going to do it when. I've just woken up and I have plenty of time ahead of me and I'm not like in a rush to do anything and I'm not having to be exhausted and then also figure out how to make dinner tonight and whatever, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I, it remains to be seen how, how this actually plays out with my writing uh, in the long term, but so far, I, I'm pretty hopeful that this weird-ass schedule is going to be beneficial for my writing. Yeah, i I think you can. I think you can definitely own up to some hours if that's the right term, mm. and like dedicate them to you because you on your phone, you out the window. I don't think that's you. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. I'm the worst therapist. I'm so mean. <laughs> Out the window, maybe. On my phone, probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and because it's the type of work where I don't have to bring any of it home with me, mm -hmm. I don't have that weighing me down in the mornings either. I don't really have to spend my mornings anticipating what I'm going to do for the rest of the day. I show up and I do it. kind of jealous. <laughs> uh, maybe I should become a forklifter maybe certified forklift operator we'll get you on all the Raymond models it'll be, it'll be perfect <laughs> yes please I'm going to ride some Raymond <laughs> <laughs> uh, out of context we're going to have to send you back to Breadloaf Oh, oh my God, that too. I feel like I carry such a sh like a scarlet letter of shame because <laughs> I went there and I have become inspired, and then the flame went out, and here I back, here I am, back on my bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> That's just your entire mo. Back on your bullshit. Right. All right, so let's be better people. Let's be better writers. Let's just be better at everything. Uh, let's succeed. Let's make it rain with words <laughs> and yeah. forklifting money. Very, very good. Yes. If only I was lifting pallets of money. <laughs> but where are you carrying them to? My, my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Come on. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it. Oh, God. Um, so maybe one thing we could do going forward, because you've you've just made some very, very strong statements. Uh, <laughs> Against we, you? No, 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 no. <laughs> do you could... resent me, Bronte? <laughs> never, never, not yet. Oh, good. Um, we could take a page from the Octavia Butler playbook and end our our episodes with some affirmations and some uh, statements to manifest in our own lives and our careers. Uh, she kept notebooks for a lot of her life in which she wrote down her goals not as desires but as definitive things that would happen that she would do that she would make happen um and so you know she wrote i will write this much or i will sell this book or i will win a hugo or any any number of things that were that were on her mind that day 
Um, wow. So if you want, we could start making some some writing affirmations to hold ourselves to. Oh my God, I've heard about this. I've heard about this hap- I've heard about this as like the that secret philosophy book <laughs> that Oprah <laughs> talked about once. Uh, what? No, no way. Okay, okay. You give me one affirmation, and I'll reply with one back. Okay. <laughs> mm. <laughs> well, I should have never brought this up. No. You okay. Want me to start? I, no, I'll start. Okay. No, you got start. So okay. This upcoming week. I will take the time before work to, mm, how do I want to phrase this? <laughs> I, I will take the time to revisit an old and unfinished story. Are you going to say which one? No. Mm, that's not a complete affirmation. No, what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. That's really good. Do we have to say this week or can we say this life? No. Okay. Uh, it can be this life. <laughs> I chose a short term because that's what I need right now. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. Um, oh my God, this is hard. Um, this semester, which is almost over, I will revise the story that I took to the bread loaf workshop. Very nice. I believe in you. Yeah, that should be pretty easy. <laughs> Give me wow. one back, Bronte. Oh, we're doing Let's it go. again? Oh, Let's shit. Let's go. What? Now two. I thought we were starting small. Okay. Uh, Give me, Give me a, li- a one that's a little bit bigger, like in terms wow. of dream world. Okay. I next week is not yep yep you know next week <laughs> next week is three days okay give me a second mm-hmm. how's this I will write a second novel oh my god you're gonna make me cry I'm so proud of you oh. Oh my god, can I read it and then also cry again? <laughs> yeah. uh, always. Okay, good. Then I guess I have to reply with um, I will finish my novel. Period. Good. Period. That's that's all it needs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And finish may mean like reach my word count, finish the story, revise, but something. Like right, whatever. It happen. Whatever you feel that finish means. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good, I'm excited for that. <gasps> Me too. Well, I hope our listeners do some affirmations as well. And that they believe in them. Well, I believe in you. I think you can do it. Mm, me, not so much. But I think you should <laughs> do it and then be responsible for both of our careers and both of our efforts. Are you talking to me or our listeners? No, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I'm going to carry both of us? Yeah, okay. That's fair. Uh, awesome. I can, I can do that for you. You deserve that much. <gasps> Thank you. Thank you so much.